with. I know we typically do this at the end of the service, but if you would, would you just stand and greet somebody next to you and just let them know in this season of grief, my love is with you throughout this moment. my heart and my prayer goes to those of you who are grieving during this season of Thanksgiving and let me just merely encourage you to transition that grieving of the loss of that loved one into a sense of joy and the celebration that they are eternally grateful that you will not allow their memory to die. Would you join me this morning in the book of Revelation, chapter 5? Revelation, chapter 5. trust you have no difficulty finding revelation. <laughs> revelation chapter 5. <laughs> Let me begin reading at verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. And I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold the lion that is from the tribe of Judah. The root of David has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having each one of them a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seal. 
Thou wast slain and didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. And I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them with mirages of mirages and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb the blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever. Amen. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 9, the opening line says that they sung a new song. Worthy is thou who is able to take the book and to open it and to break its seals. Verse 12 says that they cried out, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. Revelation is, for many, a frightening piece of literature to behold. Its symbolic expressions and uneasiness in trying to understand what it's conveying can be both intimidating and difficult for many people. But here is Revelation in a nutshell. In the first chapter, we have this isolated prophetic voice who stood up to the emperor of the time to speak truth to power and his name is John the Revelator and his sentence for speaking truth to power is banishment to a space called Patmos. He's relegated to Patmos because it's a lonely space where one usually dies in a short period because of isolation. It's an imprisonment where you're all alone, where the next prisoner is miles away. And the objective is to break you and to break you to a point where you will not come back from the brokenness to which you have experienced. It's a dark space, but John says in his most darkest moment, he looked up and he heard a voice and the voice spoke out of heaven and the voice reminded him that I am he the first and the last the beginning and the end and John says that voice encouraged him not to let his head bow to the ground but to lift it up and when he lifted up he saw an amazing figure he said I saw him whose feet was like burnished brass and his eyes were the flame of fire. His hair was white like wool and his voice carried the volume of many waters. When he summons me and looked up, he says, I have a word for you. I am he that was, that is, and that is to come. And in Revelation 1, John says that he got inspiration light in the darkest moment of his journey. And that light encouraged him that what you now see is never the end of the story. But there's always another page to be turned in the journey. And he encouraged John to lift up his head and turn the page because he had much to show him. Revelation 2 and 3 is nothing more than John's assignment to write a letter 
to the seven pastors of the seven churches of Asia Minor and to each church he made it clear number one he had a commendation for the church he recognized that they had done some great things for the kingdom of God and God commended them for doing what they had done but he secondly had a condemnation for every church they they needed to get their house in order and he led that by telling the pastor beware because if you don't repent if they don't repent I will come and remove my candlesticks and candlesticks in Revelation always represents God's illumination and God's presence among the people and he was telling the pastor of those churches tell the people if you don't get your house in order and repent I will come and remove my presence and one thing my brothers and sisters you don't want you don't want God to remove his presence from among you you do not want to be guilty as they were in the space of Ichabod they had no idea that the glory of the Lord had departed from their presence and then in Revelation 2 and 3 he gives them the final thing he gives them that condemnation in the sense that they will die they will suffer if they don't get themselves together he gives them a commendation and telling them how he knew they had done great things but he gives them a commission and at the close of every letter he says he that has an ear let him hear what I'm saying to the church but then in chapters uh, 6 all the way down to chapter 19 and particularly chapter 20 but 6 to 19 is nothing but the outpouring of God's judgment on humanity that refused to reset his son Jesus Christ as Savior there is the presentation of the seven seals of the four horsemen of the apocalypse there's the seven vows there's the various wars that will take place there's the dealing with Babylon and then in Revelation 20 I think it is when God brings that which has hindered us for many years Satan himself to a space where he will be doomed in the eternal abyss and in Revelation 21 and 22 is nothing more than the glory and the joy of what eternity shall consist of where they will stand around the rainbow circle throne all of us and give worship to the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world but in Revelation 4 and 5 there's an interruption there's an interruption between the letter that's written to those churches and then the judgment that comes to humanity 4 and 5 if you read it closely is nothing more than a reflection of a party they're celebrating in heaven they are excited that they have reached into the space of eternity they're having a mighty good time in fact when I read the text I said to myself that's the way the modern church ought to be specifically that's the way we ought to be at Greater Little Zion Church it ought to be a moment of celebration. It ought to be a moment of revelation. It ought to be a moment of jubilation. It ought to be full of joy. In fact, we ought to be having a party every single Sunday. And the writer John says, I like a party too. I want y'all to know that I like to have a good time. I like to rejoice in God. I like to celebrate the goodness of God. And what do we have in four and five? Nothing more than a commission to us to change our mindset about coming to church and being boring and being dormant and being sterile and being cold and being unresponsive. Change your mindset and look at Revelation 4 and 5 and check out what they were doing when they witnessed Jesus in the midst of the throne, God in the midst of the throne, the angels gathered around circled the rainbow throne and worship and glorify God and then there was one that they saw which was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world who stood up in the midst of the glory because there was no one who could open the book now what was the book the book was the book of life that had all of our names in it and they recognized that now that we are in the presence of God who is worthy to call somebody's name that they might enter into the space of glory. John says, I started crying and I started weeping because had it not been 
for the invitation that Jesus gave me on the Isle of Patmos to come up into his presence, I would not be in this space right now. And I realize where I am in my glorious moment, in my celebrative moment, there's nobody else who can be here, no one who can open the book and an elder step forth and told John, stop weeping. There is one who is worthy to open the book. And when John looked, he saw in the midst of the 24 elders and the living creatures around the throne, a lamb. A lamb who had been slain from the foundation of the world. He stepped forth and took the book in his hand and began to break the seals and open the book. And when he opened the book, all they could do was to bow down in great celebration and cry out, Worthy is the Lamb to receive blessing and honor and wisdom and power. Worship ought to be for us every single Sunday morning a time of partying, a time of celebration. In fact, when you read the Bible, you'll find out that there's a lot of partying going on in the word of God. Go back to the Old Testament, you'll discover that they were quite known for the lavish parties that they gave out. And even more importantly, God orchestrated the parties in the process. Esther has a grand banquet where everybody's invited to celebrate the fact that she knows that she's an instrument of God and God is going to use her to bring the people out of the bondage hand of Haman. Leviticus 23 recognizes seven different times of the year in which Israel should get together and have a grand party to celebrate what God has done for them. Jesus tells stories about the kingdom of God and utilizes the illustration of a party to paint a picture of what it means to be in heaven. And when the prodigal son comes back home, his father doesn't shut everything down and do nothing, but he has a party to celebrate his son coming back. And when Jesus attends a party, a wedding celebration in John 2, when the wine runs out, he doesn't shut the party down. He lets the wine run out and let them exhaust all of the cheap wine at the beginning. And he saves the best for the last so that the party might keep on going on. In other words, just because one person in the party ain't celebrating, that's not a reason for, not, for you not to celebrate while you're in the midst of the party. Every time you come into worship, it ought to be a partying time where you enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving and say, Lord, thank you for letting me come to your party one more time. When I think of how good you've been to me and I realize if it had not been for your grace and mercy, I wouldn't have a reason to be at this party today but just because you let me come to the party one more time I'm going to go on and celebrate I'm going to go on and worship I'm going to go on and fellowship I'm going to go on and magnify your name every time you come to worship act like you at a party act like you in a space where you're going to throw it all out for the kingdom of God here we are at the party. And, and notice something about the party. Watch what the text says. You got to go back to chapter 4 because chapter 4 sets the scene for the party. And, and John says that there's a couple of things you've got to do to shift your mindset into having a party-like kind of mentality. Now, I know Christian folks struggle with going to parties or not, some of them. Anyway, whether we should go to a party or not, what kind of party we ought to go to. I'm not talking about the kind of party that would stain your witness or that would cause you to fall into temptation. I'm not talking about that kind of party. In fact, a good party won't leave you in a bad shape when you come out of it. A good party won't leave you with a hangover. A good party won't have you calling the doctor the next morning wondering why you got this new rash in your body. That's, that's a bad party right there. But a good party will leave you coming out feeling better than you did when you went into the party. Yes. 
Here it is. They were ready for the party atmosphere in Revelation chapter 4. Look at what the text says. John says that when, whenever you want to make sure that you're getting yourself into a partying kind of mentality, a couple of things you need to do. Number one, John says, you need an atmosphere shift. Watch what he says. Look in chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, uh, after these things, I looked and behold, a door was standing open. And in heaven, and the first voice which I heard sounded like that of a trumpet and said to me, come up hither. Come up where I am. In other words, change the atmosphere from where you presently are. Maybe one of our problems is that when we come to worship, we stay on the ground. You'll catch it on the way home. We don't know, we don't understand when you enter into his courts, you need to shift from ground level into glory level. You got to go up and up and up into the heavens and begin to remember that you are in a spiritual space where on the ground you leave that where it is because it can only go so far. But when I go up, says John, I got into an atmosphere where there were limitless and timeless and spaceless. And John says you need an atmosphere shift in order for you to have a party mentality. Folk that come to church, it always looks sad and sour you need to change your atmosphere and come on up just a little higher in the glory of God listen to what he says he says come on up higher and I will show you what must take place after this in other words John says I could never see what God had in store for me if I stayed on ground level but if I go on up and up into the heavens, God can show me some great things like I had never seen before. But, but what did John see by going up? He saw two groups of people. He saw 24 elders, watch this, this is how I knew they were for a party. 24 elders who were dressed in white robes and had a crown of gold on their head. When you're going to a party, you don't wear your work clothes. Come on, help me somebody. You, you, don't, you don't just wear anything. Come on now, you know, you know you get yourself all dolled up. You get yourself smelling good, you're looking good. Why? Because you want everybody to notice you when you come. It's, it's all right to be narcissistic right now. You want everybody to see you when you come into the party. I want everybody to see how good I look, how good I smell. Look at where they were. They were in the heavens and they were looking like they were ready for a party. They had on dazzling white robes. And they had on crowns of gold in their head. They were dressed for the party. And maybe some of you stay on the ground because you ain't dressed for the party when you get here. See, to get dressed for the party, my mind got to change. I got to have a mindset where I want to go looking good and smelling good and being good. So I'm going to shift out of my bad mind, out of my aggravated mind, out of my assaulting mind. And I'm going to shift into my glorified mind where I want to look the best that I am and be the best that I am. And if I'm coming to worship the lamb, I might as well bring the best that I have to bring. His first group were 24 elders. His second group were four living creatures, arguably some form of angelic beings. And what did he do? He witnessed them, says the text. Look at what it says. Look at what they were doing. He witnessed them worshiping, celebrating, and partying. Now, let me tell you, I also know it was a party. If you look closely at the text, it says in verse 3, that he was sitting, God, like a jasper stone in appearance and a rainbow was around the throne like an emerald. But verse four says, and around the throne were the 20 and four thrones and the elders who sat upon them clothed in the right garment. But look at verse five. I know it was a party 
because they had lightning and flashing and they had the music going. They had the strobe lights going all over the place, but, but this was divine strobes. This was divine lightning and the music cool in the game. Get down on it, doom, doom, doom. Get down on it, doom, doom. Y'all trying to act, but I, I feel the party atmosphere. Wind me up. Oh, I better not go back that far. That's Boots of Collins right there. I better not mess with Boots of Collins. But look what it says. And from the throne proceeded flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God all that means that God in his fullness because seven is the number of completion God in his fullness was unveiling his glory while they were celebrating his presence why because they were in an atmosphere that could do nothing but honor God in terms of his glory. But watch this, not just an atmosphere, but they had an altitude shift. John says in verse two, clause A, that Jesus says, come up here where I am. Maybe a part of our problem again is that we stay too low in altitude. But moving up a little higher in the kingdom of God, by way of altitude shift. And John says, when he shifted his attitude, look at verse two, immediately I was in the spirit. In other words, I left the place of my normality where I was and I was pushed into an atmosphere where the spirit of God and the music of God and the lightning of God and the glory of God was being prevailed all around me, all because I shifted the atmosphere by shifting my altitude. And what I want us to try to get to understand today is, as we get into this new year, let's, let's not go into 2020 looking the same, being the same, acting the same, doing the same that we did in 2019. Let's not let worship be routine. Let's not let worship be ritual, but let's make worship a party, a celebration, because we are coming to celebrate the goodness of God. So look what the text says. It says in verse six, that in that throne, there was that sea of glass like crystal and those four living creatures with their strange view and the first creature was like a lamb, a lion, and the second was like a calf, and the third was like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. But these four living creatures with their wings was flying around the throne of God singing their song. Here was their song. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In other words, let's come to worship our heart to celebrate, to party and thank God. All of us ought to have a song. Don't you got a song that's just for you? A song that's blessed you, a song that keeps you, a song that encourages you, a song that gets you going, a song that gets you, everybody got a song. And so when you come to worship, you ought to come with that partying kind of, listen, when I used to go to party, boy, they didn't have to play no music for me. I had my own music, had it already in my mind. Back then, you know, we had uh, the Ohio players and we had Cool in the Game and the Brass Connection. Uh, we had all kinds of Brothers Johnson. I mean, we had every, uh, we had all kind of music in your mind. And when you got there and heard your song, hey, that's it. That's, that's me. But I didn't have to wait to get to hear my song to get my dance on. I had my dance already because it was already in me with my song. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When you get an altitude shift and an atmosphere shift, you got an attitude shift. 
and the attitude shift says I'm coming into the party ready to celebrate whether they play my song or not I got my own song to be sung here it is in the text I'm almost done here it is it says that they said holy holy Lord God almighty and when the living creatures verse 9 chapter 4 give glory and honor and thanks to him who sat on the throne look at that the 24 elders will fall down which means maybe one reason why we should celebrate consistently in worship because we might encourage somebody else to celebrate that's what the text says when the creatures gave God glory the 20 and four elders couldn't help but bow down and give God. And they had their own song. Verse 11, worthy art thou, O God, to receive glory, honor, power, because you created all things and because of uh, thy will, they exist and were created. But that ain't the crust of the party. The crust of the party is chapter 5 the entire chapter because John says when you shift your atmosphere from an altitude shift and you change your attitude your perception about where you are and, and let me let me just tap on it for a moment so when you come to worship do me a favor don't worry too much about what you see as opposed to what you hear See, uh, we're too critical of what happens in worship. We spend all our time critiquing worship instead of celebrating in worship. We critique that the preacher didn't do this or the choir didn't do that or the usher didn't hand me this. I, I thought you were here at a party. And when I go to parties, I'm not really interested in all the stuff that they're around, particularly as long as it's good. And when it's good, and I've been to some rough-looking party settings, but the party was good. The music was good. And the food was good. Oh, let me tell you this. In First Chronicles chapter 12, I think it is, uh, David has a party. And watch this, David has a party because there are 300 men who come to tell David that they want to support him as the king of Israel while he's in Hebron. And David says they brought with them all kind of food and, and they had a party for three straight days. Now we get in church and have served for three hours. You know we fall out. That's one. But we'll go to concert for four hours. Preach pastor. We'll go to the football game and wait in line for another hour and watch the team lose for three hours and then spend an hour drive or a half driving back home and then we're going to complain about three hours of worship when we are worshiping and celebrating the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world and we're going to complain about and critique the worship service. And that's the fourth thing John says. You got to shift. Shift the atmosphere. Shift your altitude. Go up higher. Shift your attitude. Put on the right mindset for worship but shift your appreciation. Look what he says. John says in verse 6 of chapter 5, I saw elders and living creatures and a lamb standing in between. He says in verse 8, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before him having each a heart and a golden bowl full of incense which is the prayers of the people it's a combination of what they seen beneath on the earth and they placed them in this sacred uh, 
particular item of a bowl and it's the prayers of the people. John is giving us the spiritual impartation of this partying by saying, you know you're in the spirit and celebrating in a powerful, magnificent way to God when you're praying for others instead of praying for yourself. There it is right there in the verse. There are other people's prayers inside the bowl and in praying they sung a new song Worthy is the Lamb who was able to take the book and to break the seal, but whose blood, that's how we get to Christmas, whose blood was spilled out for the redemption of all men from all kindred all over the world. And John says, you know you're shouting, you know you're celebrating God, when you remember from whom all blessings flow. He said, rejoice that this lamb who came to Bethlehem in the ghetto, born in a stable, wrapped in jacked up clothing, And yet, read Matthew 2, and the birth of Jesus was worth having a party. When the magis, the wise men, saw the star, they followed the direction to which the star was, and it lay at the manger with the child. And the Bible says, when they saw him, they fell down and worship. We worship babies when they're first born. Now, don't, don't, we're not talking about by way of idol, but we celebrate the newness into life and the preciousness of how they are. We see their beauty and we want to hold them and never let them go. And the wise men says when we saw him, we not only fell down and worship him, but we put our gifts before his feet. But how do you put a gift before the feet of a child? He's just a baby. He doesn't know that a gift is there. But he's not just a baby. He's a child slash man slash God who was there before the foundation was even developed. He's the God who was a part of my creation. Let there be and there I was. He's the God who traveled through 40 and two generations. And for whatever reason, God decides to let him be born in the ghetto, in the budget inn. That's where he's born. And yet he's the savior of the world who comes out of the budget in, who understand what it means to be impoverished and what it means to be marginalized and what it means to be disenfranchised. And he walks among humanity as the son of God who eventually goes to the space called Calvary and spills his blood as the lamb of God and then he's buried in tomb and then he arises on the Sunday morning as the resurrected Lord and he is worthy to come to worship every Sunday and cry out worthy is the lamb to receive blessing and honor and wisdom and power and thanksgiving and I like to party when I think about who the savior of the world is. And so John closes his chapter five and he closes it interestingly. He says not only did they sing worthy as the lamb, but he said every created thing that was in heaven, that was in the earth, that was under the earth, he heard them crying out to him who sits on the throne. 
giving him praise. Watch this now, then I'm done. John says, even those who didn't have a voice, even that which is not audible, Isaiah says, the trees clap their hands in worship to God. Here's what Isaiah is saying. When the leaves feel the wind of the Spirit of God moving and they rub from side to side and they shake, they're giving God their praise for the fact of the Creator who gave them the life that they have. I just came out to tell you, ain't no need you come to church if you can't appreciate the God of your salvation that woke you up this morning and started you on your way and kept you through the course of the day and keeps you every single day and keeps your mind intact, keeps your body intact. When you enter into this space, act like you at a party for Jesus' joy and give him all the glory. And look what it says. Revelation 5.14 says they are worshiping, but they are crying out, Amen. What a way to end worship. Amen. Thank you, God. It is true. That's the end of it. It's over. It is done. Thank you, Lord. So Zion... Here's what I'm going to push hard for in 2020. I'm going to work on your atmosphere. I'm going I'm to I'm pray, and I'm praying that you pray with me, but we got to work to drive out. See, one of the letters that John had to write to one of the churches was because they allowed the spirit of Satan to hang around in the sanctuary. What I'm hoping is that you will be bold enough with me because I'll do it if I have to do it by myself and confront evil and tell evil where it needs to go and get it out of here. You can never move forward. You can never make progress. And evil even gets into the hearts of those who love the Lord and they don't even know it. That's why Jesus had to tell Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, because it's not you, but it's the enemy on the inside of you. But I'm also praying that you help shift the altitude which means we got to get prepared to worship so when you come to worship you ready you ready to give God glory if there's not a single person here for praise team who cares you didn't come for the praise team you came to enter into his courts with your own praise and thanksgiving. Got to shift your attitude. You got to remember who this is all for. It's not for us. Because if it was for us, we would never die. We could stay where we are forever. But that's not going to happen. It's to create that we might transition and hand off. If you haven't noticed, look around. We're getting older. The young will grow up and push you out. It just works better if you work with it and let them just slide you out. You catch that when you get home too. But it's a transitional shift. It's intergenerational. Now we have to live with understanding the importance of intergenerational worship. Intergenerational worship means that we can't always sing all hymns. We got to sing some young folk contemporary music and young people, we can't sing all young contemporary music. We got to sing some hymns as well. That's why it's called intergenerational you got to get an attitude. You got to stop thinking you own where you are. You don't. 
You don't own where you are. You just working in the vineyard. That's all you're doing. And one day your time will come short. It will give up. It will run out. All of us. We can't do 2020 like we did 2019. Then I hope we can shift in appreciation. We lack appreciation for each other. I didn't even mention God yet. I said each other. Because I know if you appreciate God, you've got to appreciate each other. And I understand we got to learn that. I understand that has to be learned. But listen to me, church. You can't drink milk forever. You have got to grow up. You got to mature. And if it's too much for you, then tell me. I, I can tell you what to do. I can tell you exactly what you need to do. But by you hanging out on that bottle, you're holding everybody else up. And the train can't move because you laying on the train track. Because you don't have the strength to get up and get off the track so the train can move forward. But mind you, this train will move with you or without you. The train gonna move with me or without me. The train's gonna move. Because if God is true to his word and the word of God tells us in reference to the church that not even the gates or the enemy from hell can prevail against it. Now, if that's what God is saying, that means he's telling us no matter how much they show up, they are never going to win. They might hinder the process, but they won't stop the process. My issue is when you're hindering and slowing it down, you're killing us in the process. So we'd like to enjoy some of the goodness of the land too. That's the reason why an entire generation of Israel dies in the wilderness because only Joshua and Caleb realizes ain't no need to be fighting against what God is doing. Let me get on the train and ride with God. And only Joshua and Caleb gets to see the promised land from an entire generation. Now, whether that story is true or not, I'm not going to argue, but I will tell you this. It makes a point. Get on board and learn to appreciate and this place should be popping on Sunday mornings. I know that's ghetto, Templeton. I know that's street language. Okay, let's get, let's get religious. It should be full of excitement. We should be worshiping in spirit and in truth. Let's go back to street. We should be having a party up in this joint. Up in here, up in here. Can't do 2020 like we did 2019. You keep doing things the same way, what kind of results you going to get? Same results. And I think we're too smart to be defined as insane. Amen. I don't think there's a single person in this church that didn't want Great Lausanne to grow. Amen. Well, I take that back. No, because I know there are some people that are afraid of growth. They're afraid it will push them to the margins. It won't push you to the margins. You only get pushed to the margin if you decide not to participate. But you decide to give your hands and put in the attitude that I want to grow with these people, you won't get pushed to the margin. Ain't nobody gonna get pushed to the margin. And remember, 
you've got to pass off the torch. I know we don't like to think about that. But the older I get and the more that I see people die around me, I realize my day is coming. It's coming. I don't, I be, Lord, I don't know how long you're going to hold it off, but it's on the way. I know it is. I won't stand here. I won't be able to hold this book. One day I'm, I'm going to stop holding it. It's going to be over. Voice won't be heard. But it won't matter because I'm going to pray. May the works I've done speak for me. When I'm gone and resting in my grave and there's nothing else to say, may the work I've done, that's all you can do. Speak for me. What, what, what else can you do? I likes to party. Don't y'all like to party? Can't have a party though, Zion, unless we participate. Bring your praise. Wear your best celebrative garments. Put on the right attitude. Shift into a higher ground. And watch the Lord do something magnificent with us. If he did it with a little group in an upper room in Acts 2, and when folk passed by, they thought they were heavily intoxicated on wine. And Peter said, it's too early to be hooked on Thunderbird. <laughs> Y'all catch it on the way home too. <laughs> now we got the good stuff, says, says Peter. We, we got the real stuff came out from glory. And when it fell down, it did something to our tongue. Put our tongue on fire. And we started speaking language that everybody could understand. We got too much brokenness, too much woundedness, too much death among us to be speaking a language that people can't grasp. People are looking for encouraging words and hold words and reassuring words and words that give them life and help them realize that they're going to make it. That's what church is. It's a survival space. Come on, let's stand to our feet.